No, but you know what I mean? Just like. Yeah, and they're like amazing. It's like, y'all wanna be friends with me? It's shit. Y'all know I just have money for this Starbucks coffee and that was it for the week, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and that's the long and the short. Natalia and I'm here again today with Jennifer Blemmer and did you really get it? You did but it was like you paused. So I was like you're thinking about it? No because like I know you said this is the first time you met too you were like you will always get my name wrong. Just Blemmer. Lord okay I'm gonna let her introduce herself because clearly I can't pronounce names. You can't. Ungodly heart. Uh, it's fine. But we are co-writers on 82 tabs of policy, the media advocacy organization. Um, and she's just all around a beautiful black woman sharing her black excellence um, and her excellent makeup skills because your face is beat and it looks so good. Okay. Anyway, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Blimmer. Um, as Natalia said, we're co-writers for 82 Tabs. I'm the writer and outreach coordinator, um, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about what I just decided to term as Black Excellence and, and content sharing and hearing our stories. Um, and I think that is so relevant to today, especially with everything that's going on um, in our political sphere and our like private spheres. And so, yeah, I'm going to let you start off the conversation, kind of what your thoughts are on that and where we go from there. Absolutely. So, you know, I kind of want to start this off by just talking about how important it is to have black voices in the political sphere. Um, I do most of my work in policy um, to the points where it touch, does touch politics. I don't have any desire to run for office or even get involved in politics, but in order to advance policies that help people that they need to help, you kind of need to get involved. Um, and so that's what I'm doing now, um, working with the uh, DNC and their joint initiative, A Seat at the Table, where we're going out and encouraging black women to vote, to get engaged, to hold their elected officials account accountable. And then, you know, even thinking about the possibility of running. Um, and that really is just that focus of making sure that we're present um, because, you know, if there's no seat at the table, you need to bring your own and to make sure that our concerns and our community is represented. So outside of that, you know, this week been having a lot of conversations about the Kavanaugh hearings and foolishness, pretty much the, you know, dog and pony show that it was um, and really just kind of engaging with non-black women about what's going on in. You know, I keep saying that like what all this stuff that y'all are doing is cute, but it makes no never mind. I, I do believe that white women are not only complicit, but they actively participate in their own subjugation at the hands of white men and they expect other people to kind of save them. And so you say it from the rooftops. <laughs> so as we saw with Susan Collins, whose seat is up in 2020, uh, y'all move. Uh, she, again, mm -hmm. she had the opportunity to stand with all the other women that were saying, like, listen, 
someone ain't cleaning the milk. Like if this if this man doesn't if like, if we have to ask this many questions, he's not fit to be a Supreme Court justice. And she did not stand with them. Um, I am very interested to see how the vote goes. Um, just to see like how many, well, we already know yeah. all white Republican women are not going to stand with each other. And I would like to see how all the white Democratic women vote as well. Um, but just even having those conversations back and forth with people, really trying to get people to understand, uh, you know, we saw that Bette Midler had a senior moment or half a stroke um, and wrote that women are the N-words of the world, um, which is something that John Lennon said back in the 70s, and it really was just kind of like, if you have to say y'all are the N-word of the world and you can't really say the N in N-word, y'all not it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It was incredibly offensive. Um, And it was also kind of like par for the course when it comes to white feminists, um, the erasure of of blackness and, and race in general and class. When you're trying to have these conversations with white women or with white people in general, because also, you know, we saw the conviction come down for the officer who shot Laquan McDonald 16 Mm -hmm. times in Chicago. They never want to have these conversations about racial anxiety. Like they Mm -hmm. don't know that it's real. And it is real. Everyone suffers um, from racial anxiety. Everybody deals with implicit bias. But my challenge to them is always like, now that you have your, you know, your privilege as a white person, I want you to move your allyship to advocacy. And sometimes your advocacy means you gotta shut the fuck up. You kind of have to like get people into a place where you can say like, hey, I'm here. Uh, I've gathered you all here to talk about this. And now I'm going to let somebody else speak so Mm -hmm. that you have their attention, which is why I think representation is so important because we have to start making that space for ourselves. We have to start getting into every part of media possible, um, politics, policy, tech, cybersecurity, um, all the parts that they don't think that we need to be in, we need to be in environmental justice, every single part. Because if we're not in those spaces, then somebody else is writing our narrative. Mm -hmm. And then we're playing this constant game of catch up or we're trying to deflect or we're trying to block. We're trying to be reactive to policies when we can be proactive if we make sure that we're always represented there. I completely agree with every single word that just came out of your mouth. I literally was talking yesterday to a coworker and he was asking, he's like, not that I don't disagree with everything that you're saying, but he was asking about like, but why do we have to call it like mansplaining? Why do we have to say white people do this? And I was like, because there's been years of systemic power that has kept me down. I was explaining to him that when I started that position because I work I also work at like my university um, for grad school and I said listen when I came in and I met you and I met the other guys I was automatically concerned I was like how do I have to check myself he was like well what were you scared of like I was like it's not about being scared it's about being protective of yourself because I automatically roll in as a woman and a black woman who is like loud and has no shame putting people in their place but like I'm also not trying to get shot and I also have bills to pay so I have to see how how much of myself can I really be and I think particularly black women are in this space where we're constantly asking ourselves how do we have to be and like how I I feel like in a weird way we don't 100% know who we are because we have to be so many different selves to satisfy so many different types of people Mm -hmm. and explaining that to him 
was a bit of a struggle because I'm like, you don't get it or you don't always see it because you're not them. Mm-hmm. And his adage to that was like, I he's like, I grew up in a poor town, like in the Appalachian Mountains, like a lot. Of, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but like if I go to that town, I am still yeah, that's not the same. I went to the University of Pittsburgh which is like Appalachian adjacent, it mm-hmm. is not the same. It is not the same. It was like, I'm. if I walk into that town, I am still lower class in the, that is And, that, that is and that's town. something that he probably still has not wrapped his mind around mm-hmm. because for him growing up in that town, like it's, I'm assuming it's like a homogeneously white town. Yeah. Everybody's white, so race is a non-issue. Now it's just about class. And to get white people to even address these issues of class, they're never, they don't even mm-hmm. want to see that because they don't ever want to see themselves as disenfranchised because mm-hmm. there's all these other black and brown people that they can kind of point to and be like, oh, well, you have it off worse mm-hmm. than I do. Because again, a lot of the election wasn't just about race, it was also about class. Yes. It was yes. also about class. And when you try to have those conversations, they kind of fall flat. Um, but you're right, like black women do have to be a hundred things, a uh, hundred people at all times. And this is why having like these kind of like all black female spaces are so important because then you can just be yourself you know i'll say like the easiest example is just how we're wearing our hair now Mm -hmm. i've gone you know i've been wearing my hair out like this for close to a year like just kind of like taking different meetings and i've had like you know different interviews for stuff Mm -hmm. i kind of like do revert back to like should i straighten my hair out should i put a bump in it and then like a voice will be like it's gonna take a lot of time for you to do that they should know that you're black, go ahead and wear it like this. Five, 10, 20 years from, you know, 20 years ago, nobody would have thought that because mm-hmm. it's just like, you have to come in and be the mildest neutralized version of mm-hmm. black possible because you not you cannot come up in here and make these white people feel nervous. You cannot put race out in front of mm-hmm. them because we know they're gonna like, just be a deer in headlights and not know how to act. And like, and that does still happen. You know, I've definitely had scenarios where you know, a white woman pulled her tears down and all of a sudden I was the, I was the bad guy and all I could do was look at the white guy like, I don't know what's wrong with her. She could have just spoke to me, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. What she decided to do was come to you first. Mm-hmm. And now I have to sit up here and defend myself. I've had a white man say stuff about me and I didn't even have the option to defend myself. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of clear and set forth. It's always about trying to make sure that you're able to like be your authentic self because I don't want to feel like I have to go into a workplace mm-hmm. or go into a professional setting and neutralize who I am so mm-hmm. that white people don't feel uncomfortable about that. That's the, you know, I say the same thing about what women wear to work. I don't feel like women need to come into work uh, dressed in a bag from, you know, neck to feet so that we don't make men uncomfortable about don't our bodies. even get me started. I am, I am a woman of noticeable and visible dimension and my clothes will reflect that as such please don't come to me talking about my dress is too tight or things are too short if they would make things in proportion they might not be so short but here's the thing as long as i'm not standing on the conference desk doing a fan dance with a lettuce leaf everything is fine thank you it does not Ooh, child that's a separate podcast (laughs) let me tell you about something because actually, Nicole Byer, um, on her podcast, she said this thing that really got to me. She goes, I used to be so afraid. Because, like, I don't know if you know who she is. She's a comedian. And she's, okay. like, have you ever said? Yeah. yeah. she's. And she said that there was, she's like, I just woke up one day. She's like, I love swimming. I love being in the water. And I always used to not swim or go in the water because I would have to put on a suit and, like, people would see me. Da, da, da. She's like, then I woke up. She's like, but why does that matter? Because, like in my normal clothes, 
they still know I'm fat. Like, it's not going to change. Yeah. If I put on, like, a big... Like, it wasn't like it was hidden, and all of a sudden they would realize. And people, I think, are more scared of that in black women. There's something about us having curves, and if we don't have the right curves in the right type of way, people get even more offended. If we don't wear our hair a certain type of way, people get offended. I think... And I don't understand why we make up 12% of the population. I don't know why the devil we need to be making people comfortable when we should be the ones that are scared. All my confusion lies in all of that. Like, I just don't... And, you know, it's the it's a part of that history of how do we let black people live in this world without noticing that they're black. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's... A, again, it's a part of why, you know, women with curves, they'll get called into the office because they wear a pencil skirt. That's that's how she's built. Like mm-hmm. I can't do anything for that. If the issue is that it's a distraction, then you need to tell me how me coming to work is distracting people. Mm-hmm. Again, unless I'm like dragging my butt across people's mm-hmm. crotches <laughs> or sitting on desks, how is this a distraction? Mm-hmm. Is it because you're going to look? I understand that you're gonna look, but like looking is looking. Looking and putting your hands on somebody is a completely different mm-hmm. thing. What, like, how do you want women, how do you want black women to operate? Is it that, you know, you want us to just be quiet and nice and all that stuff? Being quiet and nice is something that we can do all the time and we'll still get accused of being sassy and mm-hmm. mean. So what, again, what is it that y'all are talking about? We always talk about these issues where like, if you just wear a suit, if you just pulled your pants up, if you just change your name, if you just, we've been doing that for so long and we're still getting shot in the street. Mm-hmm. So in our own damn about? apartments. But in our own Jean, apartments. This man was minding his own business. He wasn't paying nobody no mind. He was taking a nap for himself. Get shot in his own apartment. We've literally been doing everything that white folks told us to do through some of the black leaders that they chose to speak to us. Mm -hmm. And nothing has changed as far as our economic status, our educational attainment. Nothing has changed. At this point, we can just start being real. Wear wear your pants all the way down, young king, because it's not going to change anything. Now, I just think it's like impractical for you to do that. Thank you. I was like, how are you walking, sir? Right. I don't look. Do you live your truth? But like... That's between him and the God that he serves. But... At the same time, like we need to start thinking about like how do we start to uplift ourselves and focus mm-hmm. on like how we're gonna do stuff. Like when I see a black woman in the street and she's killing it, I I'd definitely be like, "Come on, skirt! <laughs> I see you here. Ooh, I like your brows." Yes, because always. you know the reality is it's like when if we're not the ones complimenting each other, nobody else is complimenting mm-hmm. us. Like, and that's a real fact. I was told when I was younger by a friend. He goes. He's white. He goes, there's no one really left for black women to marry. And I was like, excuse me, sir. Um, and I was young. Like, I think this is at like a birthday party. I think I was like 16 or like 15 or something. He goes, like, white people want to marry, like, like they think exotic is like Hispanic or Asian. Asian. Yeah. He goes, Hispanics marry other Hispanics. Asians marry other Asians. Black men marry Hispanics or white people. So like, who do? I was like, sir. <laughs> Number one, shut your mouth because you in a black household and my mom was upstairs and homie got married. So because here I am. Um, number two, it's like that is kind of how the world sees us. And I feel like it's like we're just kind of left here and we pick up the slack for other people. 
And I think black women are honestly tired. I feel like people have a right to be scared because like black women are actually just tired. Like we're tired because we've had to for so long pick up the slack for our black brothers, other black sisters, for like other communities. We have to be the rallying cry for things. And it's like, guys, like we're tired. Like we just asking you to wash the dishes one day a week versus us doing things every single day of the week, having to make compromises every single day of the week. And I think we've come to a place, honestly, where we're just tired. Yeah. I would say forgive him his youth because, you know, when you're young, you see things in a very one dimensional mm -hmm. way. So he, you know, obviously not aware of the fact that by and large, like black women marry black men. Mm -hmm. um, I would say to that, you know, when you have your Steve Harvey's and your Paul C. Brunson's and your Rory Calori, I think her name is the, you know, Wife Academy broad on Facebook, like when you have all and, you know, Dateline doing specials about black men either being gay or in jail and like how black women are just lost in the sauce and all that stuff, mm -hmm. like that does start to come at you kind of like a lot and you do start to see it that way. And yes, black women are very tired, but I think we're getting to a place where we're starting to realize that we don't need to please everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to be that one thing that everybody has asked us or called us to do. Like, I don't have to be the one that gets married and has children and raises black babies and goes to a black church and becomes the black PTA mom. Like, I don't have to do any of those mm -hmm. things. Us focusing on like really coming to an understanding of what self-care is and like self-preservation is very important. Like, we're getting to a space like we can start to have more honest conversations with each other um, because I think there are times where like black women just like something doesn't happen with us sometimes. Like we don't mm -hmm. talk to each other again because we're trying to, you know, be mm -hmm. everything to everybody else. And we need to start creating those spaces where it's just us. Like I'm not saying that we need to self-segregate, but like sometimes like just being in the company of other black women mm -hmm. can be so rejuvenating like and it is kind of like it does rev the engine up it's like okay you know i just needed this space where we could just talk about this and like you know i could give my homegirl a look and she'll give me a look and we already know what's going on mm -hmm. like we're just like i did that in the uber yesterday to a girl i did not know and it was just like <laughs> and you're just mm, mm, and it's just again you know like i have like a really good clan of girlfriends and like all of our conversations just kind of start off like bitch bitch <laughs> like that's that's literally all of this it's like just eight different versions of the word bitch. just like with different inflections with it gets different a little high it's a little low it gets a little low and there's like eight h's on it you know it's about to be good um because again like you just need that time i imagine it's the same for black men like they need their time to just kind of like mm -hmm. fellowship with each other I imagine it's the same for Latino women like they just have a different kind of mm -hmm. struggle and just have conversations about what it means for them to be in this country um, especially with so much just like anti-immigration sentiment mm -hmm. coming across them um, you know my family is not from America so yeah. I, I too can relate in that way like people don't know that immigrants have been here like why y'all acting brand new to yeah, this see, tell it again why y'all <laughs> acting brand new to this <laughs> You got, you got folks uh, charging people up in grocery stores because they're speaking Spanish. I've known Spanish since I was in kindergarten. What the fuck is your problem, lady? Thank you. There's so much things I feel like people are acting brand new to. I was like, but it's, but it's been here for some time, like for a very long time. I don't know why everyone's all of a sudden getting hype. Like all these things that are coming out in the news that people are getting hype about. I was like, 
black people been knew this was happening? We tried to tell you. Like when 46 minus one got elected, that Dave Chappelle skit where he was like sitting there at like the, the it's like a skit. He's like sitting there at the voter party or whatever. Like Oh, at the SNL skit. Yeah, yeah, the SNL skit. And this man was sitting in the back sipping tea because he knew. And I was like, that was every single black person in America. Because like, we're not surprised. Like I knew America was this petty. Like I knew and I didn't even have to. And it wasn't like I grew up. I mean, obviously both my parents are black. They're both immigrants. They both came to this country and made some like they now own a house in Connecticut. Both have two jobs. They have two kids. Like they made something of themselves. And that was kind of the mantra. It wasn't even a necessary. I mean, like I was constantly reminded that I was black mm-hmm. by more, by, more so by society versus my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my family had to bring my attention to the fact that I will constantly be reminded that I was black. Mm-hmm. And then I just became more aware of those situations. So I feel like from a very young age, I saw those nuances in the way that I was treated, who was friends with me, who would um, have crushes on me, who would talk to me in certain types of ways, teachers, the way in which they'd be like, oh, so Natalia, what's your perspective on that? I, I don't know because mm-hmm. I don't know and I don't speak for all black people. Also, like my family's Caribbean, so... Mm-hmm. Some of like, don't, we're not a monolithic group. I hate to break the news. Mm-hmm. When things start popping up and people start acting different, I'm just like, but it's been here for a very long time. Yeah, it's like, it was kind of like the same thing where, um, you know, what's her name? Uh, when Love and Hip Hop Miami started and Amara La Negra started and folks were like, Latinos come black. I was like, yes. Have Y'all, y'all know they're y'all never met nobody from the Dominican, Dominican Republic. Republic. Oh, listen, Puerto Rico? I went to the Dominican Republic. Thought Cuba. I was Dominican. Please, y'all never met nobody from Honduras or Guatemala, Suriname. Name the list. Brazil. Literally, you can go to Puerto Rico and find people my skin shade. Like I don't. So y'all just thought that all Latinos look some version of white or olive. Y'all don't know that. When some of these slave ships came this way, they made a couple of stops Dude, to the Caribbean. Jamaica was just another stop on the boat. It was literally I'm, just. But again, like people were just trying to act like they like I've never heard of Afro Latino. Charlemagne, you look Dominican, bro. What you talking about? But again, but again, this <laughs> is a little ball man. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> as, aside from Charlemagne and his shenanigans, um, you know, communities have always knew that this was stuff was going on, mm-hmm. and so even now, it's like, okay, you need to come together and really think about what's going on. Which is why this whole thing with Kavanaugh, I want it to be eye-opening for like white women, but it's not. It's Please. not. Which is why I was like, all these protests and stuff, like they're cute, but. Do not forget, 54% of white women voted for Trump. A man who mm-hmm. admitted on tape, if you're famous, you can do whatever you want. Yes. You can grab him by the pussy if you like. Yes. A man that had 19 accusers mm-hmm. at the time of his election. White women overwhelmingly voted for him. And mm-hmm. all the answers I kept seeing were, well, if he makes it better for the men in our lives, that'll make it better for us. Trickle down economics do not work. I just like want everyone to know that's not how... We're going to function in this life to live our best lives. And it doesn't. For white women to kind of still be thinking in that way shows like they don't have any interest in really taking the action that's going to help the community at large. Like they're only going to focus on what is going to meet their immediate needs, Mm -hmm. which is if I'm in West Virginia and my husband lost his coal job, 
Um, and that means that he's drinking more. It's not coming back. It's not. That means that he's drinking more. He's, you know, that means he's beating me. He's doing something else. Like, I'm only going to think about myself in that moment. Whereas, like, black women, like we've already said, they've had to think about the community at large, mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly to their detriment, which is like when we vote, it's like, well, who's going to do what needs to happen for all of us all at I'm hoping what happens in this moment is that, like, white women wake up and realize that, like, you need to start acting in your own best interest because they're not going to be act like they're not going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. You have people who, like, because for them, the long they're thinking about the long game. The long game is we're going to see an overturn of Roe versus Wade, which I just want to point out to people. Brett Kavanaugh doesn't become a justice, says, open the books on Roe v. Wade. And then go overturn like mm -hmm. that's that's mm -mm. not how mm -mm. it works that's not how any of this works but again the long-term game for them is overturning roe v wade they mm -hmm. don't they want abortions to be legal which we already know doesn't stop people from getting abortions mm -mm. it just stops people from getting safe, safe abortions, abortions yes um, which is again another issue that women um, white black chicana asian in the 70s were protesting very heavily like we need access to safe abortions because there's no reason why women are dying in alleys mm -hmm. um, because somebody you know says that they can do an abortion and because now we have like youtube and WikiHow and all of that stuff then you're really gonna have people who are like mm -hmm. oh no no i watched like a 10 minute video i got it i know how to do this <laughs> i know um, about women's care yeah like that's not safe for anyone i mean the man's gonna be confirmed y'all can say whatever y'all yeah. want about that once again we knew america was this bad yeah like from it, yeah like we already knew that what i would just say is that i hope that this now means that organizations that focus on getting women to run for office really mm -hmm. do follow through with making sure that they're getting progressive women who have women's mm -hmm. interests at heart to run. Um, and if you're a woman who's thought about running and you're not quite sure if you should or not, then you should. There are a lot of organizations out there that are dedicated to training women like Emerge America, mm -hmm. Higher Heights for America, um, uh, Emily's List, mm -hmm. She Should Run. Like Running Start is a local one. Right. There's tons of organizations, many that popped up right after the election mm -hmm. because people knew this wasn't going to hang no more. Mm -hmm. Like, we gave white men a shot. <laughs> Y'all done screwed the pooch, shit the hundreds bed. Of, yeah, hundreds of years. It's, I just Now we got to come in and, and clean up the mess that y'all have made. And I feel like I am constantly, what you hear in the background is the dog, which we love, but, um, <laughs> but what I feel like I'm, I'm also like really tired of also explaining myself to white women, which I, we kind of touched on like way at the beginning, but like I have, it's going to sound so bad because I hate when white people just like, I have a black friend, like I have a bunch of white friends and it's, it's fine. Like. But I need you to understand that when I say something, if I say this relates to race, it relates to race. You may not see it as relating to race because you've never had to think about it in your day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life. But mm -hmm. every time I walk out the door, there is something or someone somehow reminding me that I'm black. Mm -hmm. And this particularly in the Kavanaugh case, because if Dr. Ford was a black woman, oh, oh, bitch, please. And, and, again, <laughs> and again, you know, pe the first thing that people did was make comparisons between her and Anita Hill, mm -hmm. saying that Dr. Blasey Ford, you know, she portrayed more vulnerability and mm -hmm. sincerity than Anita Hill, who, you know, pr projected strength and something else that they, how they characterize mm -hmm. it. And I was like, yeah, because like, 
y'all don't even understand the layers mm-hmm. that go into a black woman mm-hmm. accusing a black man Ooh, of sexual harassment. One of my you know favorite books is um, Sister Citizen by Melissa Harris Perry, mm-hmm. and she talks about that issue uh, back in the '90s where you did have black women that were like, "Why are you trying to ruin this black man's life?" Like it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't just her kind of coming in to say like as a woman he harassed me but it's like as a black woman this black man harassed me because you know we don't ever want to acknowledge that black men have this understanding amongst themselves that they have access to black women's bodies anytime and anywhere Mm -hmm. they choose i mean sorry if you just look at any rap video from the 80s on, like, also R&B. Also, let me talk about R. Kelly because I feel like people have low-key forgotten R. Kelly, but I'm gonna bring it back. People, But people to- will still be like, but TP2 is a banger. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, but here's the thing, I can't support it because you know why, he's a predator. And people, for, I'm like, race comes into play because you know why people aren't, like, R, there's a reason R. Kelly, people are still listening to his music, they're still, like, out here, he's still having concerts or whatever. You know why? Because he's black and he's attacking black women and nobody cares about black women. Ooh. And I feel like Ooh. people are constantly forgetting that. I was like, if he was attacking white women, this would be a completely different issue. If Dr. Ford was a, a black woman or a Hispanic, this would be a very different situation. And the only reason Anita Hill got some type of platform is because Clarence Thomas was a black man. If this was a white man. Oh, absolutely. People, I need you to understand that race is in every single thing that we do and we just need to start admitting it. And that's fine. Like, here's my thing. I don't, I feel like people have a fear of if I talk about race, then I'm a racist. No, you acknowledging the race problem and then we can move from there. Like that's, that's my whole thing. The fact that you're ignoring it is really what's prolonging the issue. If we just sat down and talked about it and you realize that like the reason women don't report is not even just because we're terrified, but look at the race of women who don't report. And you know, like, yeah. And I'll say two things about that. Again, I'll, I'll also insert this issue of class as well. Because if Dr. Blasey Ford was still some like white woman from the Ozarks mm-hmm. with like an eighth grade education, mm-hmm. they never would have gave her any burn either. <laughs> that's that's one. Um, you know, but for, she has doctor in front of her name, so. and so they're gonna give her some burn. Uh, Daniel Holtzclaw, which is this police officer that was sentenced to um, an obscene number of years in jail for the rape of several black women he did so because they most of them were all black prostitutes Mm -hmm. and he would say to them no one's gonna believe you Mm -hmm. which is true also true true. like he's not he's speaking the truth it's the wrong truth but he's speaking it He, he is speaking the truth um the other part of that i'll say is that when we think about how we even just address sexual assault in general Mm -hmm. there again there are just so many layers to this people kind of voice this like accountability mantra on women and and men that get assaulted so Mm -hmm. like so much so that like of course you're never gonna come forward and say Mm -hmm. something like this happened um when you when i try to explain to people like let's say something's not sexual assault but almost every woman has been in like in a sexually coercive environment Mm -hmm. right like you're in somebody's room 
that means like you already knew what was gonna happen. Like, and that's the argument Listen. that people make, right? It's like, I mean, you over there, what you think was gonna happen? That's, maybe that's, I just wanted to see the place. Like, maybe I was taking a tour. You right. don't know. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a lot of there are a lot of nuances to sex and sexual engagement that like when it does go you know in a negative direction people can't even have conversations about it because the first thing is like well what did you do mm-hmm. somehow you're always responsible yes. for something that happens to you but if you park your car in southeast and gets and it gets stolen the police don't come to you like well why did you park over here they go okay we'll try to find your car mm-hmm. no more no less nobody challenges like mm-hmm. your rationale in parking over there or whatever the case may be it's just okay, we'll try to find your car and that's it. And when it comes to sexual assault, there's so much more of like, well, no, there must've been something that you did, right? How would that even make any sense? I was sense? minding my own damn business. How would that make any sense? Because as far as we can tell, the way that men are socialized towards sex, it is a go and get it thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard men say things like, well, you know, I cheat on my wife. Cause you know, sometimes you need to feel like a man. Having sex, with, having sex with women makes you feel like a man. Cool. You know, I, I, I don't identify as a man, so I can't say anything about how men should feel, but that's like a very odd view of manhood mm-hmm. to me. I would also say, just kind of going back to the issue of representation and why it is so important for us to be involved in these kind of conversations, not just as like a passing thought, but like active um, conveners of these conversations, is that people won't know what is happening with us without them knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think it is the responsibility of every black person out there to educate nope. non-black people about um, us and our issues, just like I don't think it's every Latina's responsibility to do it, or every Native woman's responsibility to do it, or every um, Asian women's responsibility to do it. There are avenues out there, Insecure, Quelle TV, like there are places where that information- Google exists. Look, I'm a, and I'm a Google acolyte. <laughs> Utilize her, she's here for you. Um, there, are, there are ways that people can get this information. It is just a manner of getting people to understand like you have to want to do it. One yes. of the things I would always say about uh, my undergraduate experience is that for every black, international, Hispanic, Asian student, they were always going to be in a class with white students in it. They might have, they might even have a friend circle that's either like mostly white or have one white person in it. That did not hold true for our white counterparts who if they wanted to have just white friends and white classes the entire four years that they wanted, that they had there, they had that option. Mm-hmm. We don't have the option of traversing the, tra- traversing the United States without any kind of like white interactions. That has to happen. But for white people, you have to choose you have to make that decision to say like, I'm going to step outside of my homogenous comfort zone mm-hmm. and really understand what is going on with other people. Because without that, when people are talking about the difficulties and the challenges that they face as people of color in the United States and you don't get it, that's why you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You can't put a personal face to it. So it's just us saying things. It's like mm-hmm. if aliens came and told us what Mars was like, I have no concept of Mars. So I'd be like, okay, cool, sure. I, I got it. it was red. I don't know. Like, got, I got it. But like after you said it to me, like it would not hold anything for me because I have no concept of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I also need people to like recognize that when we as women talk to you about these certain issues, especially, I think especially women of color, when we say that these things are happening because like healthcare, for example, is very real. And I think 
a lot of them are like, well, I still have my insurance. Like I still have like, but that's you as like a white person. We as like, I, I fear in the sense that like as a black woman who like has a level of privilege because like I'm getting, I'm getting a graduate degree like that in Mm -hmm. itself. So I'm probably hopefully think, you know, pray to God. Um, I get a proper job that provides me with adequate health insurance, but like there's so many of our sisters who won't have that type of place in society to get that. And especially because we are already treated as second class citizens, no one's going to listen to us. And what I've heard from many white women is just like, well, my life really hasn't changed. Or like if this whole, if Brett Kavanaugh is elected, which he probably will be, or um, nominated to the Senate, to the, uh, to the court, I feel like they're like, well, my life isn't really going to change. But just because your life isn't going to change doesn't mean you shouldn't stop listening to us because our lives are going to change. Mm-hmm. And don't think once they get rid of us, they're not going to get rid of mm. you next. And I, I feel like that is really the issue. A lot of people continually think that they're not going to be got. And I just, I need that mentality. I'm like, they're coming for you. They're coming for us first. But don't worry, they're going to get to you. And they absolutely, and again, this is why I said earlier, you know, white women are not only complicit, but are actively participate in mm-hmm. their subjugation at the hands of white men. You know, a lot of people feel like, well, because it's not impacting me directly, then I don't have to act on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had similar conversations with, uh, with individuals who identify as black Americans about why it's so important for black folks to engage in the immigration conversation. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, there's not our issue. And I'm like, hi, I'm only here because... Of immigration policies mm-hmm. that allowed my mother to be here that allowed mm-hmm. my father to be here and i'm black so don't you think this impacts us um mm-hmm. the diversity lottery program is what is providing all of these visas to nigeria to haiti to jamaica to a lot of these countries in the caribbean that mm-hmm. bring black people bring black talent you don't think they're going to have the same experience that you all have mm-hmm. you know like when other people see it they don't make the distinction and go like oh well you're from guatemala so you're all right like, yeah no they're no not one, making that distinction no one's looking at me and being like oh you're jamaican american so it's totally different like no one's gonna people see me as black it doesn't matter they're not gonna know me from adam like i am black they're right and that's why it's so important for us to engage in these kinds of mm-hmm. conversations or at least to act where we don't think things like this um are going to affect us. We have to start being present in these conversations that are going on around us because everything inevitably will impact us. Everything. Mm -hmm. When you are a community that does not have access to power, everything that the ones that are in power does affect you. Mm -hmm. Whether it's um, (coughs) the sharing economy, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's occupational licensing, whether school choice, like all of those things, all of these things that you don't think we need to be a part of, we need to be a part of every single conversation. Mm-hmm. Every single conversation. Because it will inevitably hit you in some way. It will. Because if we have this thing where we're going to not fund public schools and we're going to start handing out vouchers, who do you think is going to get those vouchers first? Because it ain't going to be me. So I'm then there's already public schools in this country far more than there should be that don't have adequate access to books mm-hmm. or other materials. Teachers are paying out of their own pocket to get pens and paper and pencils for their classrooms. And so you think vouchers are going to help this situation because it's not going to be our communities that are right. going to get schools them first. that have teachers that don't even reflect the community that they're teaching. Mm-hmm. In. They're all like TFA folk 
who don't know anything about the school. Like they get the, two the, months of training and then they the put surrounding them out community that they're dealing with that they don't even understand like what these kids are dealing with on a daily basis. Yes. But you know, you come in with these well-meaning intentions, trying to help everyone get burnt out and then leave, and like you've done no better. Mm-hmm. Um, for the work that you've done Do you see there. teachers moving from these low-income communities to wealthier-income communities because there's just less work to be done. There's less burden that comes on them. And there's, so, like, my mom is a teacher, and she works in an affluent community, and there is still so much work, mm-hmm. that extra work that she has to do to think the fact that she doesn't work in a low-income community. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? And we see teachers striking in, like, West Virginia, other places, because, like, they're not getting the proper amount of pay that they need to be getting to support their family. You see teachers taking on second jobs, third jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, especially white teachers, mm-hmm. you are literally voting against your own interests. Mm. Because the thing... <laughs> Jennifer's like, listen, I've been saying it for a minute. Oh, I mean, <laughs> white people be voting against their own interests for a minute. Time. But um, I don't want to talk that. <laughs> but like the thing is like you don't re- like it affects you so imagine how it affects communities of color and ima- imagine like we have been saying this type of stuff for so long and I feel like I, personally for me I feel like I'm seeing black women really come together and be like we're tired and we're gonna do something about it and I see men especially in a weird way black men getting scared of that mm. Of us, like, mobilizing as a unit. They're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> they realize they're smart. What are we going to do? I mean, I don't want to talk bad on nobody. <laughs> but I'm going to give all the shade in the world. Like, I'm, listen, I'm going to talk bad. Brothers out there, for some reason, are acting brand new. Like, women just got brains. Especially black women just got brains. Like, sir, you wouldn't have a pot to piss in if it wasn't for a black mama. Mm, especially all of you that were raised by single black moms. But whatever, uh, I'm not. Uh, the rev... <laughs> Number one, the Queen Aretha's funeral and the preacher up there was talking about how single moms can't raise good black men or whatever. I mean, one certainly raised the president, but... (laughs) Is whatever, but also at the woman's funeral, her sons are sitting there. She raised them as a single mother. Like, how dare you? Number one, at the Queen's funeral. Number two, like, we as women, the reason you are here is because of us. And I feel like people are forgetting that. And now that black women are starting to remind them of that, they're getting nervous because they're like, well, my woman's not going to be in the house. She's not going to be down for this. She's not going to da da da. She's going to make more money than she, me. Yeah, which think, is. She's going to think she calls a shot because y'all are still operating from this white Christian model of like what household should look like, mm-hmm. but then still talking about we should go back to our African roots where I can have more than one wife when you can't even afford a $200 date. But whatever. It's um, fine. It's, she's like, I'm not trying to talk bad around nobody. I'm not. I'm not trying to talk bad around no one. I'm not trying to talk bad But the thing is, like, so many people don't, like, I don't know. I Us coming together is a beautiful thing because I think we are going to make effective change. And the more you get on board, the earlier you get on board this train, the better it will be for you. Because yeah. I truly think you're going to be on the wrong side of history come five years from now, like I'm not even talking like a hundred years, I'm talking like five years from now, when we run things, I just think like it's not gonna be a good look when you were sitting up there being like, oh, they're not gonna do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I would rather, you know, black men decide to actively support black women. And there are some really dope black men that Mm -hmm. are doing that. 
um, who are providing support to the causes that black women are getting behind, um, that are you know putting their money where their mouth is because we don't need to hear them speak anymore. True, true. Um, and I can you know I definitely want to you know shout them out and encourage them to talk to your brothers that aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they need to hear a message from you. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you can provide them with a testimony so that they know that like it, it's the time to now really kind of get behind black women and support them, whether it's black women who are running in local and state races. Um, maybe you don't run that race. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just let her have her time so you don't neutralize her chance at you know winning the seat mm-hmm. because three of you want to run against her. This mm-hmm. really did happen, by the way, mm-hmm. in um, Missouri, I believe. There's a really good article about it. You should check that out. I'm not going to say names on that. <laughs> um, but that really did happen. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, and even still, I, and I just want to kind of take this time to like plug an organization that I've been working with. Um, a soar of mine, she asked me to help her um, you know, start an organization where the focus was going to be millennial advocacy um, and not just kind of talking about the problem, but like coming up with some actual solutions for people to implement. And we've been working on that since 2015. It's um, together restoring economic empowerment. Um, we're, um, we've gone through a lot of iterations where it was mostly women. We do have like two guys on now um, and they're really great. Shout out to Peter and Robert. I want to get. I want them to let you know get their shine. <laughs> um, and so we've been working on millennial advocacy, focusing on economic justice, um, environmental justice, and media and race. We put together action plans that people can implement. Um, she's out in California, so she's doing a lot of environmental justice work for us there. Uh, we also have a advocacy training program that we've developed for young people, where the focus is environmental gentrification. Mm. So essentially, like what happens when the city, you know, puts all these green spaces in your neighborhoods is that it creates kind of like that source for gentrification to start. And so how can we make sure that people who are in existing neighborhoods have the opportunity to be like, hey, developer, I see you trying to build condos and stuff, um, but we still live here. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we're able to still live here Mm -hmm. um, and not have to kind of get pushed out because of rising um, rent prices. Also teaching uh, young people how to advocate um, in front of the city council, how to write op-eds and how to also utilize social media. So definitely check out our website. We do a lot of blog posts about different Mm -hmm. um, issues that have come up. I did, I reposted a piece that I did for 82 tabs about black women's equal payday. Um, We also have something coming out on economic justice um, in in the aftermath of the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Um, as well. So our website is restoringempowerment.org and you can find all the social media handles there. Thank you. We're going to put all that like in the show notes and um, so everyone can have access to that and click and be like, hey, I'm involved now because it's not that hard. People get it together. So that leads back to the original idea of black excellence and, <laughs> and representation and how incredibly important it is for us to have that representation. And I think we also need to reimagine on not, we don't have to be on grand scales. No, absolutely not. Absolutely and not. I, think, I think with social media and, and things of that nature, it's becoming easier to not have to have like a grand scale of representation you don't have to be a celebrity or something like that you can be like 
just a well-known person in your school or in your community. Um, and I think it's really, really important to, I don't know, kind of highlight that facet Absolutely. And what we can be. And I want to, you know, take the time to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing in the podcast space. <laughs> Thanks. I try uh, so hard. <laughs> because I am a podcast junkie. I listen to about a dozen podcasts. Um, and they're mostly white. I think there's mm-hmm. only about three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, the read, the nod. <laughs> Love the read, girl. Uh, crime in color. Because I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Uh, all the true crime podcasts. Um, and crime. every everybody in political podcasts as well. And they're just all white. They're just all white. And so, a lot of white men. A lot of white men. A lot. A lot. A so lot. many white guys. Also, another great podcast. Also, another. Oh, two dope queens. Two dope queens. Also, two dope queens Let's as just, well. Like, um, late night, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, Rants and randomness with um, Lovey Ajayi. Uh, and I, really and I, you know, listen to. I used to listen to Ranting and Raven. Um, I don't as much anymore, but I will go back occasionally just because I think Yamanika Sanders is hilarious. Um, but I, you know, I want to take that time to acknowledge you and what you're doing and making sure that you're putting your voice out there so that people can really start to engage with it. Like, you know, you always see these articles about all these different kind of spheres that are dominated by white men, like, we're all the black people. I mean, they're there. It's, it's just a matter of, like, people deciding that they want to, you know, have something that they want to share with the world, get a group of people together and be like, all right, we're going to put this down uh, on audio. We're going to, you know, put it out to our friends um, so that they can listen mm-hmm. to it um, as well. Friends of mine in uh, New York, the husband and wife team, they have a podcast. Uh, I want to make sure to shout them out. I want to say... Which will also go on the show notes. Yeah, I want to say it's Beauty and the Beast, but let me not mess this up because that's not how this works. <laughs> um, they're doing a lot of, like, pop culture references. Mm-hmm. I've known them since high school they swore, they didn't even like really talk to each other in high school which is, <laughs> but now they're together but now they're like full married um <laughs> opposed to the half married that they were before <laughs> yeah you know yeah like, i don't know how that works because i think there's either married or there's not like i don't <laughs> uh but yeah i want to say it's something like beauty and beast uh i'll make sure they're like actually yeah give me the real shout out but ty and jordan like they are really good pair um and again like it's just a matter of like making sure our stories are out there making sure that we're represented in almost every aspect of the universe that we're living with you know it seems like every other day there's something like some black woman's like the first uh ever to get a PhD in like neuroscience it's or something. Like 2018. Man. And that's really the thing about things. <laughs> when it, in 2018 we're still saying things like the first black this, the first Asian that, the first Hispanic this, like what is going on? Like what are, like why are we not We've been here for a minute? A cold minute. <laughs> like I don't. What is going on that we're not giving people either the access or the resources or the support they need so that they could be the first black or first Hispanic mm-hmm. or first Asian whatever ten years ago? Mm-hmm. Like that's so crazy to me that we're still talking about people being the first black governor, the first mm-hmm. black uh, state rep, the first black person of Congress. Like that is wild to me. And it just, I think it shows you, like, where our society is and who we promote from, like, way back. Because the, there's so many people, I feel like, that are getting recognized 
who were from way back in the day, they are long gone. Oh, absolutely. And we're st- <laughs> now people talking about Sojourner Truth and like Harriet Tubman's coming. Also, Nicki Minaj, keep Harriet Tubman out your mouth. Anyway, out your guy. <laughs> out your mouth. Um, but people Barty like. <laughs> The barbs need to calm down. Anyway, um, just just those things that are just being recognized is is crazy to me. And I think I'm probably gonna do like another episode on like how to support your women tribe, like how to because there's so much power in like white men have have conquered that field in the sense because like in spades in spades because other people have given them legitis- legitimacy by sharing their stories um over and over and over again and it's like why have we given these men all this legitimacy and you're like we want representation of other people of more women of people of color and it's like well you're not retweeting you're not sharing you're not posting on facebook about them you're not you know following their pages you need to do that because if you want to give access to those voices people need to see them and how this works is whoever gets the most clicks whoever gets the most likes those is what's that's what's going to pop up in your in your feeds and all your feeds that's what the emails are going to come from you need to talk about it subscribe to things it's it's hard because like I feel, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I feel like it's like anything black I have to support. Oh, absolutely. Even if absolutely. I don't like it. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? And absolutely. I'm like, I'm subscribed I, to I this. saw Proud Mary in theaters and I knew from the trailer it was going to be trash, <laughs> but I still went and saw it because, because I had to support Taraji. Like, what's the one, Because I stand for all day, every day. But I feel like it's like we have to do it because that ticket needs to be bought because if it isn't, of course. then people are automatically going to assume that black people can't do nothing. Exactly. And it's hard. Like, I'm so tired of doing that because I don't want to sit through foolishness Listen. all the time, but we have to. And so we have to do that with more things until it becomes the norm. So just in general, the representation will be there. And I think I'm probably going to do a whole episode about uh, that. Look, even when... It is like garbage. I still go support because they're gonna say like, "Oh, we didn't have the numbers, so we're never gonna do a black female-led movie ever mm-hmm. again." Like that's what they're looking for. They're looking yes. for the numbers. Um, I think one of the things that we saw with Black Panther. Now, of course, the Marvel universe in of itself yeah. is an incredibly successful mm-hmm. movie series. Like even like their worst performing film still gross out millions mm-hmm. of dollars. With Black Panther, the fact that they saw that black people had been way tinged. The, sa- the pre-sales for that movie was the definition of wild. Oh yeah. People were selling plates in the movie theater. When you see a grown man selling plates next to the popcorn of some chicken and some rice and peas. Listen. I feel like they like they <laughs> didn't know what to do. So much so that they tried to play Black Panther, like, oh, we're gonna come with this whole new category at the Oscars for like mm-hmm. most popular. Like, no 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 no. What you won't do is again try to neutralize their success by qualifying it which mm-hmm. and i'll just say my one piece on this majority voice has a way of neutralizing the accomplishment mm-hmm. of people of color by saying they transcended race mm-hmm. race is not the impediment to my success racism is mm-hmm. and i would just love it if folks would just recognize that and say that Barack Obama transcended racism 
to become the president. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference in recognizing that race has not created an obstacle for people who live it every single day. Mm -hmm. If you're a black girl growing up in a black neighborhood, race is not an issue for you because everybody black. Mm -hmm. If you're a Latino boy growing up in a Latin neighborhood, race is not an issue for you because everybody is Latino. Nothing has changed for you. But for you to make sure that you're making the strides that you need, you need to transcend redlining policies. Mm-hmm. You need to mm. transcend health disparities, Ooh. food deserts. Yes. All of these things mm-hmm. that don't happen by chance, they happen on purpose through racist either impact or intention. Mm-hmm. And so I would really love it if we could get to a point where we start to acknowledge that individuals do not transcend race. They transcend and beat racism. Mm-hmm. But again, yes, with Black Panther, like <laughs> they just weren't even, they weren't even prepared for, for how much Black folks were gonna show out. Cause we was gonna show out. Come on. Yes, mom. listen. The thing, but also like the creators of that movie, they knew that movie had to be good. It was failure was not an option, as it is in many Black households or even African households, because they were representing a country in Africa. Like the lighting in that movie was on point. Because everybody glowed. Everybody. Right. Oh my gosh, if I could just be Lupita for a second. Like, everybody was beautiful in that movie. The writing was on point. The costumes were on the point. The directing was on point. Everything lined up perfectly. And we're going to qualify it down to just popularism because Marvel is popular or whatever. No, but like everything that was done in that movie was beautiful yeah it was intentional and again it was it was a part of don't diminish my talent right because of my race even as a part of the marvel canon it was a movie that mm-hmm. specifically focused on we are in an african country mm-hmm. we are going to use black people mm-hmm. we are going to be the center we are going to be our own hero and villain mm-hmm. and y'all and white folks y'all just gonna have to take a seat just a little bit there were two main white guys and that was it and that's fine because we can point to how many thousands of movies where there's only been two black characters and they had their 10 lines and that was it and they always have two are they like the sassy black girlfriend or they're like the sassy guy friend who gay guy friend or something and it's like i'm tired of that like i want to just see yeah our just us because like we're just like everybody else like i don't yeah, know no, why. We, we are we are just like you know insecure and Issa Rae is doing her thing about putting our stories out there mm-hmm. um i'll say this is kind of like a good example of it was lavar burton was on an episode of the nod um and they were kind of talking about like why lavar burton's canon uh, was just such a, a benefit to tv as we know it and one of the things that he talked about was when he was on star trek um and i did watch the star trek that he was on he said that data data never really got any like play mm. they always just made him like this kind of asexual mm-hmm. person where he's like everybody else is having these relationships mm-hmm. and what have you not and he's going to not get any burn mm-hmm. um and he talks about like you know that is a thing that generally tends to happen in these like movies and television shows where there's like one black person two black people or something and they never have an opportunity to have like their love stories portrayed Mm -hmm. which is why i think when we're talking about like why police officers and other people don't see black people as human beings it's because they don't think that we engage in that way um it's so important to have our love stories put out there so people can see like we be going through the same thing that Mm y'all go through even at a different level. Every every culture 
has its own kind of like idiosyncrasies and you know nuances to how they address each other mm-hmm. um but they do exist and so mm-hmm. when people don't see that all you're seeing is stereotypes it's like yes. oh the, you know going back to your childhood friend who was like there's nobody left for black women because white men are or black men are going for all of the white girls and the uh. hispanic girls i'm like i don't even what you just said it would be like ludicrous in my neighborhood because everybody in my on my block was black mm-hmm. they were from the caribbean and they were married to black people like that, that, that wouldn't even make any sense. And it's not even to qualify to say that like we as black people can't branch out of our community or we Absolutely. don't because look at Serena Williams and her fine ass husband <laughs> and like, I <laughs> listen, they're doing them. Olympia is my permanent mood. Like I, that's totally fine. And like, we just all need to learn how to be together as one and like understand that our differences is what makes everything perfect and special and like ignoring them is only going to bring absolutely. bad things absolutely because i think that's what we've done for so because first it was the i don't see color i was like no but you best see my color and i wanted to say something <laughs> about this real quick i thought you were trying not to say nothing bad but i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna say something bad <laughs> because chloe kardashian Caught herself saying some foolishness. Even the dog's upset about it. Um, <laughs> we don't see color. We just see the person. Blah, say, blah. And my first instinct was, so do you mean to tell me all those black men running in out your house is just haunting it? Because <laughs> I don't. Good night, everybody. <laughs> are y'all pulling a Bobby Brown and fucking ghosts? Because it's very clear that y'all all have a type. You can't say that you don't see color because y'all all fuck niggas. <laughs> True. Sorry, I, I don't. I don't even. I don't like. And I have a, a personal thing with the Kardashians, but that's like that type of stuff. When literally, save Kendall, all fuck niggas. So you don't see color at all so all of them dudes roll through in an invisible man suit where it's just a hat and trench coat and glasses and you're all like that's the one <laughs> does that even make sense for you to say <laughs> the anger is so real <laughs> does that even make sense for you to say as white women because i understand when you have black features people confuse you for black as white women though <laughs> Y'all do understand for you to say something so tone deaf as I don't see race when you make essentially like your fortune Mm -hmm. from co-opting blackness and marketing it in a way that makes it palatable to other Mm -hmm. people, including black men. Mm -hmm. Do you not see how a fucking surd that is? I I don't mean to even be this angry, but this is what I'm talking about. Like. There are people who be like, they'll stand for the Kardashians and their foolery. I personally think they're demons succubi from hell um, here to destroy the black community, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but it's definitely here, isn't it? <laughs> but, but when you say, when people say stuff like, I don't see color, that, mean, that says that you don't see me. Mm-hmm. So every day that you see me, you just see a well-dressed, curvy dress coming down with some shoes. <laughs> Sasha in a way. And that's it. You don't, you don't see me. You don't see the struggles that I go through. You don't see how something that you might perceive as uplifting to mm-hmm. you could be detrimental mm-hmm. to me. 
And that's problematic because then you do not create change. And I completely agree right. about the and, and that's, Kardashians. Yes, and that's and that's where the that's where the the work needs to be done. That's that several but equal nonsense. That like you get a water fountain too. Yes, but why is my water fountain dirty? Boop. I'm very confused. Like I'm trying to live. I thought water was hydration. And I feel like I completely agree with Kardashians because I feel like it created this idea of like what black women, this curvy, big butt, big boobs. I'm like, no, we, we don't all look like that. Some but it's because you're dating just, all those black some men. Some of us are trying our hardest with, with what God has decided he's going to give us. And he blessed me like this. And I'm, you know, I'm learning to be okay with it. Yeah. I'm never going to like... I completely agree. There's these women that when you say black features, I'm literally just thinking of like you're using them as an accessory. Yeah. It's literally, that's literally what you're doing. And that's not to say that like white women cannot take black men. That's because also people will take it that way. No, but it's like recognize this. Recognize what you're doing. There is nothing wrong with dating black men. There's nothing wrong with dating white women. There's nothing wrong with dating black women. There's nothing wrong with dating anybody. The problem is the way in which you use them for your own gain mm -hmm. and claiming that you don't mm -hmm. just like kim is trying to claim that her butt is real when we all know anywho kim some of us are old enough to remember you when you was working for paris hilton and you ain't look like True. that girl some not all of us but some, some of us <laughs> are old enough sis <laughs> to remember when you were paris hilton's assistant and how you looked and dressed so don't. maybe Maybe don't correct, try it. friends. Maybe don't try it. But, yes. But again, like, you know, it's, uh, and I'll say it's the same thing with like the Bette Midler comment. Like, there were white women who, at first, and, you know, someone told me this, they were like, yeah, girl, mm -hmm, yeah. And then I was like, you know, she sounds ridiculous, right? And it was just like this epiphany. Yes. Like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. That's where we need to start doing the work. Yes. And like recognizing within our own communities, because I feel like sometimes, like you said, like there's, black people that reach a certain level and sometimes things don't compute. I was like, they still see you the same as they see me. Don't get it twisted. Because what's his name came out with that um, uh, uh, just that Nike oh my gosh, he was, pro he was promoting um, the M his new Emmett Till movie. Oh, Till. uh I know who you're talking about. And I, oh, shoot, he like took it down. Anyway, but it's like, dude, you don't Jesse need to Williams. Jesse Williams, yes, promoting his new Emmett Till movie. And it was like, um, stand up for doing something, even if, you, like, I don't know, like, whatever the thing that he said, but people yeah. were like, no, boo, this is not cute at all. Like, we need to recognize how we're representing ourselves in these spaces once we reach a certain level. Again, and then, like, you need to be on brand. And if you're, and again, this is going back to people co-opting other people's struggles or mm -hmm. um, movements for their own and not realizing that they do not blend with each other. Mamie Till had, like, you know, I've seen lots of documentaries on her and there's, there's press and she says, like, I did not set out mm -hmm. to be a revolutionary. I didn't have, she says, like, me living in Chicago, I thought whatever was happening in the South was happening in the South. That had mm -hmm. nothing to do with it. She would have been fine all her days sitting on a couch. All her day. She had been totally, she had been like, wow, it's crazy down there. Good thing we're in Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> it wasn't until her son was murdered mm -hmm. that she felt like she had to do something. Mm -hmm. I bet you if Mamie had been given the option, you can be a revolutionary or your son can be alive. She would have picked the latter. She mm -hmm. didn't have any desire to do that. But what she did not want to have happen was her son be brutally murdered mm -hmm. and the people who did it 
think that they could just get away with it. What was not the same thing with Ida B. Wells when she started doing her um, articles on the lynchings that were happening mm -hmm. in the South. It was so much easier for people to pretend like this was something that was happening mm -hmm. miles and miles away that had nothing to do with them. It wasn't until it started to be presented to you that you had to start to deal with mm -hmm. it. That is not the same thing as Colin Kaepernick and what he's doing. Which is fine. And, like, also, Nike is problematic in their own sense. Oh, absolutely. Like, but I'm again, glad Cap is getting his check. Get right. your money, sir. But again, I support you. People co-opting movements mm -hmm. for their own use and not understand. That's why Jesse Williams got dragged. Because it's like, what you're not going to do is try to act like this woman did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same she, thing she with did. Trayvon Martin's mom. I heard her speak at the, at the CBC conference. She was like, listen. I, I want my son. Like, this was not, I was not out here trying to be any type of way. They were living their best life. And I feel like we all need to come together and understand that we cannot co-opt experiences. We can share and tell stories and share our stories so people have to confront those difficult truths because they are difficult truths, but it's something our community has to have lived with all this time. And I feel like we carry that burden mm -hmm. around with us. So when you hear a Trayvon Martin story, when you hear an Emmett Till story, you're like, oh, yeah, I understand that baggage. I do. I get it. But we all internalize that. And I feel like, like we were talking about, everybody's all acting brand new. Like all this stuff that's happening is new. It's like, no, we have known this and we have carried this with us mm -hmm. for generations. <laughs> Specifically black women showing that off and bringing that to light. It's like, no, now we're going to present it to you. We're going to bring this to you because y'all seem to still be acting brand it's new. It's time for y'all to carry the bags. Yes. Our bags are tired. We're tired. We'll walk by the side. You know what? I'm going to supervise. That is what I'm, I'm going to supervise, sir. I feel like black women are integral in bringing that to light right now and, and showing that like, no, this has all been here. We've just been carrying it for you for the last however many hundred years. Yeah. And, and that, again, this is why it is so important to have black men being a part of that conversation mm -hmm. as well so i would just you know reference husband wife team the name of the podcast is bougie and the beard you i want to make sure, <laughs> make sure i had it correct it's bougie and the beard um but it is just so important for you know us to have these unified voices i'm a huge proponent of multicultural coalitions so mm -hmm. I, I definitely think like we need to be doing more outreach with our latino brethren our native are Asian and I've heard the arguments like well they experience anti-blackness too yes I, I fully understand that I would present to you that black people are also very xenophobic we heard listen everybody's so 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 it looks like both sides <laughs> mm -hmm. all sides have to do a little bit of work right but mm -hmm. we know that the collective goal is that we want our presence here in this mm -hmm. country to be appreciated and to make sure that our work is compensated in the way that our white counterparts are mm -hmm. compensated yes Yes. I, I would think so. Um, and make sure that we have access to the same things that our white counterparts have. Chicken. Yes, I would think so as well. And so we just got to, you know, we got to get down in there. We have to start being creative about how we're going to start to target mm -hmm. our advocacy, how we're going to reach our allies. And I'm not saying that we don't have white allies either. We do have white do. allies. But my challenge or my charge to people is how do we turn our white allies into white advocates? Mm. Because ally is passive. Say something. Ooh. Advocate is active. Ooh, dropping all the spirit. Oh, it's like I'm. Yeah, you know. Sure, I'm an avocado ally. I actually hate avocados, but if you like it, I love it. I'll support you. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted me to like go in front of Congress and be like, we need more avocado fields, like that would make me an advocate. Mm -hmm. So how do we turn our white allies into white advocates? I think that's Ooh. that should be our charge. 
for the next coming years, um, particularly in 2020. <laughs> it's coming quick. Get it She'll be here before you know it. And, you know, <laughs> besides it being the centennial anniversary of the greatest sorority that ever was, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, um, <laughs> it's an election year. Good. You know what? I got to go. <laughs> it's an election year. So make sure that y'all are getting out there and y'all are turning your allies into advocates. Um, so that brings me to my last question. How do you define being a woman or womanhood? That is a good question. So for me, I would say in the way that I view my woman um, is physical uh, mm -hmm. in one part. So, you know, I, I love makeup. I think mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I, I don't use it to make myself feel pretty. Mm -hmm. I don't use it for men because they couldn't tell me what was on my face to begin with. True, um, true. So that wouldn't make any sense for me to put it on for men. Um, but I, I like the aesthetics of women. Mm -hmm. I think women are beautiful. I think that's why God made us second because he needed to get all the bullshit out the way first before he would find it. ain't the truth. Ooh. Um, but I think women are beautiful. And so for me, it's physical. It's, you know, the way in which I carry myself. It's when I'm at my heaviest. It's when I'm at my slightly less heaviest. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's also just my ability to kind of maneuver and talk mm -hmm. with people um i think there's i think there's also something like beautiful in our rage uh, mm -hmm. again because i listen to a lot of true crime i love deadly women on investigation discovery yeah i used to be a real big fan of snaps uh when i was younger because mm. there's just something about when like women are mad and they get ready to murder people like they go nuts because <laughs> um, <laughs> we're just so passionate a part of that womanhood i would say is also just like our i wouldn't even call it willingness i would mm -hmm. say some of it is just drawn i think we're in part drawn to just connecting mm -hmm. with other people mm -hmm. um which for me is weird because I, I would call myself an introvert um, i do like to have my alone time but i think when we have the opportunity to engage with other people we choose to whether it's you mm -hmm. know helping someone whether it's just kind of making small talk whether it's interacting with small children or whomever i think we are so much a part of the world that we just like to be connected to it and so for me i think that's part of womanhood for me is just that that need to be engaged with other people that was such a good answer so thank you so much jennifer jen for coming on today it was such a great conversation we got very heated i, I feel like i went through a hot flood just fine um, but thank you, everybody, also for listening. Please uh, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. And please uh, go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. Did you have anything to plug? Oh, yeah. Sorry, um, I'm like, I'm like going to <laughs> timing. Woo. No, um, I just, again, would like to, you know, shout out our organization, Together Restoring Economic Empowerment website is restoringempowerment.org all of our social media handles are there they're usually tree empowerment mm -hmm. um i'll also you know plug 82 tabs of policy um and the stuff that we're working if we're on brainwash media we'll also have a medium page so please check it out um our social media is 82 tabs, tabs um and 82 tabs policy so check us out and then i'll also plug so my individual stuff, um, my social media handles um, are essentially the same on Twitter and Instagram, uh, J.A. Blemmer, 
ESQ because I paid for it and I'm going to use it. Yes. Um, Girl, she's and- a lawyer. <laughs> she's like a real adult. Like, I feel like I'm mad you didn't say nothing. She has that JD. I'm done. <laughs> so just just so, you know, y'all are aware and that, you know. Um, and yeah, so, Black you know, excellence. follow me on Instagram and Twitter so you can see some of the things that I'll be doing with A Seat at the Table, which is, again, a joint initiative of the DNC, the Black Women's Caucus, and the CBC PAC to make sure that we get Black women out to the polls this November. What, what? Um, okay, everybody, thank you. You heard uh, pretty uh, more than a pretty faces stuff um, earlier before I forgot to let her plug. Uh, but please also email us at prettyfacedwomen at mtapfpodcast.com if you would like to be on the show, know someone who would be on the show, sponsor the show, looking to sell out real quick. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.